This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com. If you guys are not at FightfulMMA.com, you should be. <laughs> Trying to see if we we were on the air before before we uh, thought we were on the air, Joe. We almost gave away some some news that we shouldn't have given away yet, but um, yeah. <laughs> that was that was almost a little awkward there. But uh, fightful MMA, fightfulmma.com, live coverage every week because UFC has a show every freaking week. That was the case this past weekend. It is the case this weekend with uh, UFC Vancouver and UFC Mexico City, Joe. What's going on, man? Same old, same old, man. Interesting event uh, in Vancouver this past weekend. Uh, interesting results. Uh, good performances. Some solid performances by some newcomers. But uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, UFC Vancouver. I mean, it was it was built around one one fight. That, that's yeah. what mainly people cared about. But I thought that the, the card wasn't that bad. The main card was all right and, and had some star. I don't want to say star power. But had some relevant fights on it as well. And I'm excited to talk about that. I'm excited to talk about some MMA news. We're going to preview UFC Mexico City. Let me just tell you, folks, I will not be here for a post-show of that. Wow. There are more ranked fighters competing at my house this weekend than on that show. <laughs> my God. But um, we got news last week. Zabit was pulled out of a fight. It's been rescheduled for UFC Moscow against Calvin Qatar. Boy, that's got to be best case scenario for Zabit, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's it's good for him, but uh, it sucks because we're definitely looking forward to seeing him compete. But um, I feel bad for Kelvin. You got to travel out there. You're going to be under some. You're going to be some hostile territory. But even doesn't matter where you would fight Zabit. Like that kid's amazing. So Qatar's uh, going to have his hands full, regardless whether it's in the states, Canada, Brazil, Mexico, uh, or in Russia. So irrelevant. Also, Robbie Lawler faces Santiago Ponzinibbio at UFC 245 per report. I like this fight. It makes a lot of sense. And honestly, welterweight fights that make a lot of sense haven't been something that the UFC has done in like the last year and a half. But over the past couple of weeks, they have between Diaz and Masvidal and this one. It's on the right track. I dig that. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought it's Robbie Lawler at number 13 and, and Ponzinibbio at number 7, right? Uh, so it's 7 versus 13. Lawler obviously trying to stay relevant. I mean, his name will always keep him relevant, but he's dropping down the rankings uh, here and there. While well, Santiago really hasn't competed too much, and he's staying at number 7. Uh, he actually moved up without even competing. Darren Till dropped 1, and Santiago moved up to number 7. So uh, it's going to be a good fight, and we'll see what Santiago... Uh, how he deals with the pressure when it comes to Robbie Lawler. We'll see how Robbie Lawler uh, does once again against somebody much younger than him. Some under-the-radar news, or more of an event that happened. Phil DeFries, who was a prospect, undefeated prospect, who made his way into the UFC and kind of lost his way out. He went 2-3. and three. Uh, And then things weren't going that great for him outside the UFC. He lost to Thomas Denham and Satoshi Ishii. Um, he, he had a rough go of it in several fights over really the next 
four years, uh, three or four years after he left the UFC. He did get wins. So he, he avenged that loss to Thomas Denham. He beat Brett Rogers. Um, effectively, I believe, just sent Brett Rogers down a path of no return. And really, we, we've not seen him be relevant since, though he fought a little bit. However, he stepped into M1, Bellator, and KSW and just reinvented himself over the past two years or so. And he is a 33-year-old heavyweight, so he's got plenty of time to do that. But he had his third defense of the KSW Heavyweight Championship. He beat Thomas Narkin. He's beaten Luis Henrique. Uh, he beat James Thompson in Bellator, and he had that M1 win. This is good to see, Joe. Somebody who, quite frankly, he was like four and six over ten fights. A lot of times at heavyweight, people don't recover from that. We don't see a lot of Andre Arlovsky stories where people get back to the UFC as a heavyweight. Uh, it's good to see this out of Phil DeFreeze. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's going to be longtime MMA fans or UFC fans that know the name because he hasn't competed in the UFC uh, for the better part of six years. Yeah. Uh, so he got he left the UFC, went on a kind of a um, an okay run uh, until October 2017, and just rhymed off all these wins, uh, winning the KSW heavyweight title and successfully defending it, like you said, three times. So uh, I'll be interested to see what they're paying him, right? What they're paying him over there to see if it's worth him getting back to the UFC or. You know they, they they've got a champion now that's defending that title uh, and continually winning uh, and, and he's putting in consistent work. He fought twice in 2018, twice this year already. Remains to be seen if they can add him again uh, to an, a year end show if they're going to have one. But other than that, he, he he's been a good company guy for them. You know, so they might be they, they might be like, listen, man, like we want to keep you here, uh, and if the money's better for him uh, competing and defending the title at KSW than going back to the UFC. Who knows what's going to happen? Tyron Woodley says that he wants to fight Kamara Usman, then Colby Covington, then move to middleweight. I don't know if that's a great way to get a middleweight title shot or a welterweight title shot is saying that you'll immediately move to middleweight uh, like one fight later. Also, I don't want to see him fight Kamara Usman ever again. Like, I don't need to see that. It's not going to get any better for him unless they're both like 70 years old. Then he might have a chance. Um <laughs> I, I don't like this, but I do like the idea of Woodley going to middleweight. I think he could make some noise there, or at least he could try to make some noise there. Uh, he isn't getting any younger. What do you think, Joe? Well, I mean, that whole thing about wanting to fight Khabib, I just, I didn't even finish reading the headline. I just yeah. scrolled. I was like, no, that's not what's going to happen here. That's doing nothing for Khabib, nothing for the lightweight division, uh, and only benefits you, hypothetically, but then all the risk is on you. So, um, he's got some work to do if he ever wants to fight Kamara Usman again. I know he's still ranked number one, and he was the champ. Uh, you know, there there were people that were calling him the greatest welterweight of all time. I yeah, was like, I okay, it. you know, like there's so much uh, a great you know. one. Yes, the greatest. Yes. That that is total recency bias, as you often bring up. Uh, yeah. that, I mean, my God, George St. Pierre ran the gamut. He he dominated that division. And yeah. it wasn't even it wasn't even close for a very very long time. Uh, LFA. I just want to see. I, I want to see him compete against someone at 170. But if he wants to make that jump to 185 pounds, so be it. There's plenty of guys uh, in that division that would be more than happy to take him on. Uh, and I'm sure he could give a lot of problems to a lot of people. But if you go up and down those rankings, uh, I don't know how far down you'll stop and realize. Okay, you know what? All these guys would give him a hard time leading up to number whatever, right? So, 
We have Kevin Lee saying he's going to return to the lightweight division. I think this is a bad idea, but unfortunately the guy is stuck in limbo because the UFC won't do a 165-pound division. And to be honest with you, if they won't do a 165-pound division when Conor McGregor wants them to, I don't know when they are, Joe. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, if, if, if the guy that moves the ultimate needle for you, uh, you won't bend for him and, and create something that even the unified rules or the ABC uh, has allowed, has endorsed, has said, okay, you can do it, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. It sucks, and I think they should because, I mean, the influx of talent in there. The reason why I like it is because, you know, I've never wanted the UFC or or MMA to be, um, you know, uh, an alphabet soup of champions. There's so many divisions like boxing, and you don't know who's junior welterweight, super welterweight, blah, blah. I get that, right? But there's there's a big gap between 170 and 185 pounds. I would like to see, or sorry, 155 uh, to 170. It's 15 pounds. They were same the other one as well, right? I'd like to see a 10 pound difference between weight classes. Uh, and, and the influx of people that would go there would be fantastic. You would get small welterweights and large lightweights meeting in the middle. Why not? I don't see why not. But it's it's we've beaten this drum and this horse down way too long. I don't I don't get it. I don't know why. I think it'd be great because there'd be a new champion uh, on this roster uh, the minute they introduce the division. Yeah. You, just, yeah. you know you could have a four man tournament. With the winners taking on each other for the belt. Simple. Why not? Done. Why not? I, I think that would, would fit very well, and I, I've been begging for it for a long time. Uh, Cody Garbrandt says he's a win away from a title shot. Realistically, should he be? No. But realistically, is he? Yeah, because it's the UFC. Um, I don't have to agree with it, but I, I don't have to agree with the sentiment, but I have to agree with the statement. It is the UFC's bantamweight division. I, I think the. Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt, even TJ Dillashaw. I think it, when he comes back, I think he'll be one fight away from a title shot. All those guys, because the the UFC loves that carousel. But yeah, you disagree, Joe? Yeah, I mean, when he said that, I said maybe in Bellator. Uh, <laughs> you're not getting a title shot in the UFC. Uh, well, in my let's opinion. be honest. He's zero fights away from a title shot in Bellator. Right? Find find so him fair. a pitbull Plus brother. Minus half. Find him a pitbull brother. Line him up. Main event. There you go. Yeah, Cody Garbrandt's got some serious work to do. Uh, maybe not massive work, but serious work to yeah. do to get a tell shot, in my opinion, uh, only because of the losses that he's endured. Um, you know, and, and some of them have been brutal. When he learns uh, that he's he's that good of a fighter that he doesn't have to play with fire, that he can be technical, he can use his speed, I, I think he could be a champion again in this division. But right now, the way he competes and the way he fights, no. And I understand he might you know, bring up the fact that you know he lost a guy or a guy that was... Uh, juiced up or whatnot, that's a fair argument, but you, you want to compete, you're number nine right now, you've dropped a ranking, uh, not that I agree with that, but you're, you're number nine right now, you've got a couple of fights in you to, to get to that title, not one. Now we have a story that ties in pro wrestling, MMA, even uh, your hometown of Toronto, Joe. Anthem Sports and Entertainment, which own Impact Wrestling, quite frankly, a, a struggling pro wrestling entity, um, have purchased a controlling interest in Access TV. This owned by, uh, formerly owned by Mark Cuban, aired just tons of regional MMA in the states, and I mean, tons. Um, they, it was their top programming for years. There was Inside MMA with Kenny Rice and Boss Rutan and Ron Kruk. It looks, and I, I can't say for certain now, it looks like all the MMA content is hitting the bricks. This is kind of sad, Joe. I mean, the Inside MMA thing. I saw the writing on the wall. Unfortunately for for 
Kenny and Boss and that group who did a great job and had, had a fun show. It was a little bit of a different setting, and you had the UFC Tonight to the world, and really even Ariel Hawani's show on MMA. People On Mondays, people could tune in. They could watch it. The podcast boomed, and Inside MMA went away. Regional MMA, I don't know how well you can replicate that, but I know one thing. Guys like Dana White and Flow Combat, I don't even help know if Flow Combat's still around broadcasting events, <laughs> have no idea. Yeah. Rufkin, whatever the hell these these companies are doing, they got to be like, okay, maybe we can pick this up. Maybe we can pick this up because here's the thing, Joe. One of the reasons why regional MMA is so successful on platforms like Fight TV is because if you have buddies that can't make it to your fight, Say I'm Sean Ross Sapp and I'm in Kentucky. I'm fighting in Georgia. They can't make that trip. Well, you know what they can do? They can show me that support by plopping down that 15 bucks, using my code, and buying the thing. And that that's Bellator employs that strategy by booking local fighters on their big cards. What do you see this doing for regional MMA, Joe? Because it is a hit. It is rough to lose that platform. Uh, I think losing that platform is one thing, but you just provided a fantastic... Uh, suggestion, right? A, a, a potentially a great answer, right? Fight TV is is gives people the opportunity, uh, and, and like yourself, I don't know a thing about Flow Combat. I'm not gonna be lying to you, and it's not anything personal. I just don't know anything about them uh, to to address that. But when when it comes to Fight TV, I've been on Fight TV for for a while now. I, uh, I have confirmed the they, they do still exist. Sorry to interrupt okay. you. No problem. <laughs> so the the platform is there. Uh, to put these events on. You just got to structure a deal with Fight TV. Uh, and I think it's fantastic because as a promoter, when you're holding events uh, in whatever region you're in, you always incentivize the fighters. Hey, listen, the more tickets you sell, the more you get paid. Here's your base. Here's your show money. Here's your win money. Uh, but if you sell X amount of tickets, I'll give you a percentage of those tickets sold. If you can structure a deal with Fight TV where it's sort of the same thing, I'm not saying Fight TV would do this, but how sweet would that be? Because the example you gave was fantastic. You live in a specific city. You're called out to fight somewhere else. Your friends can't make it. They want to support. They buy that ticket or that that pay-per-view uh, using your code. And then Fight TV can disperse that code uh, to the promoter that gets dispersed to you or directly to you. Right? So there's there's ways around this. Now, uh, I, I was sitting you know, again at home uh, in my living room thinking to myself, do I really need cable? Like, all I really need cable for, for real, for myself, and I'm not speaking on behalf of my wife uh, or my son, is is live sports. And nowadays, I can get live sports on tel- uh, online for free yeah. uh, with a subscription to something, whether it's DAZN or, or whatever it may be. So the whole landscape of media, how we consume media visually, is is changing with the whole television, cable companies, and just in, in, and networks in general. Uh, sort of falling if without live content, uh, because anything you know, VOD or POD, whichever, whatever, PVR, um, whatever, whichever way you guys describe it down there, th- that's the way it is. I spend a lot more time uh, on YouTube and on Netflix because I want to watch what I want to watch at that moment, not what I'm told is on at eight o'clock on a Thursday. These are my options. So I, I'd like to watch what I want to watch, whatever theme is in my head for that day or that week. Uh, so I think it's changing, but. For live content, people there's nothing better than live content. Let's be honest; it's real. You don't know; it's unpredictable. You can't replace uh, it. You can't, can't replace, replace it. it. Right. So now it's a matter of where can you watch it, when can you watch it, and via what medium. And there's so much now that's 
happening online that you know people got to buy their smart TVs and, and take it from there. Well, UFC Vancouver happened this past weekend. Austin Hubbard defeated Kyle Perpolek, unanimous decision. You had Chaz Skelly defeating Jordan Griffin via unanimous decision. Hunter Azure defeated Brad Katona. Miles Johns over Cole Smith. Then you had some finishes on the show. Luis Smoka continues to look good. He's one of those guys. We talked about Phil DeFreeze earlier. He fought his way back into the UFC. Yep. Luis Smoka got right back to work and fought his way back. And then on the prelims, you had Augusto Sakai, a top 15 fight, if you believe it or not, knocking out Marcin Tibera in under a minute. What stood out to you on these prelims? Uh, the Smoko McDonald fight was kind of like it was kind of weird. Smoko was just—I know it's it's early in the event, right? Like there's not that many people there, um, or as, as opposed to a full house. And it was just like he was going through the motions until he landed that monstrous punch and then eventually uh, finished off McDonald. That was kind of cool. The you know you, you mentioned the knockout between uh, Augusto Sakai uh, and, and Taibura. Weird, just a weird, weird sort of you know Sakai's got that power. Let's be honest. And Tyboro didn't want to engage him. And as soon as he did, he got popped. Uh, it was game over in less than a minute. So uh, I enjoyed those both of those fights because of the finishes. But other than that, the rest of the fights were okay. But it's the ones that we're about to talk to that uh, really got my attention. Misha Serkinov defeated Jim Crute via submission. A Peruvian necktie. I love this. I'm surprised it hasn't been adopted by pro wrestling yet. I popped when I saw a Peruvian necktie get a win like it was 2009 again. This was so cool, and this went back and forth. This was a good fight, and I'm not like holding anything against Jim Crute. He's 23 years old, facing a top 15 light heavyweight. He will be back, Joe, but this was fun. I, I obviously, you know, being a Canadian, I'm very happy for Misha Serkinov, <laughs> uh, but I do think that, I mean, did you see him after he, he you know, after Jimmy Crute tapped, Misha looked exhausted. Yeah. You're oh, three yeah. and a half. You're th- in less than four minutes, and you're exhausted. I was actually surprised at how Crute was able to push him around it a few times. But that's Misha Sirkunov's game. I think yeah. Misha should continue doing what he's doing. And, 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 you know, DC, Daniel Cormier kind of hinted at it, saying, stop striking. Yeah. Like, don't strike. This is your game. Striking is your backup. Striking is to set up your takedowns, get your takedowns, dominate your opponent. Uh, and work a way to win the round. And if a, if a submission presents itself, take it. Uh, Peruvian tech neckties, obviously one of my favorites. We used to do a fight school on that on, on the TV show. Uh, I forgot who it was that choked me out. Uh, and it's, it was Kenny Florian or somebody. Um, but yeah, fantastic submission. And anyone that knows uh, submissions in general, you know it's going to happen right before they go. They, they bring the leg over and it's tight, man. If it's tight. And you can get it even from the mount position or the or the top position. It is super tight. So poor Crute uh, suffers his first loss. But good on Misha. Um, which is post-fight interview was better. But other than that, good for him. <laughs> number 12, Uriah Hall defeated number 13, Antonio Carlos Jr., a.k.a. Shoeface, via split decision. This went exactly the opposite of the way that I said it would go. I said if it went to a decision... That this does not that this wouldn't work. It did. Uriah Hall ended up winning a split decision, and he deserved it, Joe. Hundred percent, he deserved it. But if I, if anyone out there should sit there and believe that Uriah Hall has finally found the elixir that's going to make him consistent, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. I think he put on an amazing performance. A in the first round uh, with his jab uh, and being able to defend the choke the way he defended it. 
uh, be in the second round with the, the incredible punches and the way you saw that blood coming out of uh, Antonio Carlos Jr.'s face in that replay they kept showing. Uh, but in the third round, despite being dominated and having his back taken for, was it 99% of the round? Yeah. He survived. Not many people could say that they can get Antonio Carlos Jr. on their back and ever survive. Hey, that's, so, that, when, that's in a, the preview, I even said that. I was like, man, that's his go-to. That's what he wants to do to you. He wants to take your back and he wants to choke you out. And now we're seeing Antonio Carlos Jr., who stepped in the UFC and had, uh, admittedly, a, a weird, inconsistent go of it. Like, he won the Ultimate Fighter 3. He lost to Patrick Cummins. He had the uh, Casey eye poke and all that stuff, and he lost again to Dan Kelly. But since then, he had reeled off five straight wins and against pretty tough guys. I consider Spicely, Marshman, and Boach tough guys, even Marvin Vittori. Like, most people that are are outside the top 15, Joe, they're going to lose to at least one of those guys in, in that consecutive order, even though they might not be the greatest fighters in the world. Now, Antonio Carlos Jr., after missing 13 months, has stepped back and lost to Ian Heinish and Uriah Hall, and they have both outlasted him. What does that say to you about Antonio Carlos Jr.? Well, it's got me a little nervous. Not too nervous because he's only 29, uh, but this is a guy that's been, you know, he was heralded. Uh, you know, by yours truly, by yourself, yeah. by by a lot of people, as a guy to watch out for in this division, uh, en route to a title shot. Uh, he, he's taking a massive step back now. 2019, unless he can fight one more time before the end of the year, is a losing year for him. He's he's on a two fight losing streak after being on that five fight winning streak. So uh, it, it's tough to say what to think of him right now because you you okay. He took a guy's back and dominated him in one round, couldn't finish him off, also had his back in the first round, uh, and wasn't able to finish him off. No one thinks of Uriah Hall, or no one thought of Uriah Hall before this fight uh, as a master submission defense uh, competitor, uh, and anyone in their right mind knew that if Antonio Carlos Jr. Shoeface got Uriah Hall's back, it was game over. Well, not anymore. So uh, it's hard to dissect something like this. Uh, and as always, let, let's not get too crazy with the recency bias and think Uriah Hall now uh, yeah. should be fighting Israel Adesanya, uh, who we called out. No, 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 not no. yet. No. He, he has won three of four. You know what? He gets a couple more wins. I, I don't hate the idea. but nope. I don't know. I like it. But you got you to gotta do more than winning three out of four. Paulo Costa blasted you a year ago, brother. Blasted you. Yeah. Before that. Before he got on this this winning streak, he had just jobbed out to the top guys. Robert Whitaker, Derek Brunson, Gegard Musashi all beat him. Uh, I'm hey, you know what? I'm glad. I do wish, as I mentioned, wish Uriah Hall would pull the trigger more. That's always my thing with him. When he pulls the trigger, he is overwhelming, and he's running out of time for Thank that you. to be a thing. Thank you. He's 35. Right. Because hey, here's the thing. He pulls the trigger on Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya is probably going to dip the punch and hit him with a head kick. He pulls the trigger on Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker probably throws an underhook in, then pushes him off a little bit, throws a body kick, the old pants shitter as we call it, and Uriah Hall's doubled over. I don't believe that he can do that against the top, top levels. Do I believe that he can throw something and then perhaps beat someone? Well, yeah, because we saw that with Musashi. But we also saw what happened when Musashi fought him again. So uh, that that was a good win for him. You want to talk about good wins. Tristan Conley defeating Mi- Michelle Pereira. Now, Pereira is a guy who rightfully was signed to the UFC. He did lion salts in the cage, off the cage, to get into the UFC. 
Then here, he does a gymnastics routine. Now, Joe, in pro, it's so funny. So funny. Like, pro wrestling pundits will be like, those flips, those moonsaults, they're not realistic. You can't do that in a real fight. Well, Michelle Pereira just showed you that you could. Yeah. And it's not always going to work out for you. But also, it's funny because a lot of the oftentimes people will say that, and then they won't say anything about the fact that somebody grabs a chin lock, don't have any hooks in, don't have a hip blocked, and these elite wrestlers are supposed to sit there. Oh no! How how do I get out of this? That's that's less realistic than what I saw here. Now Michelle Pereira learned a lesson here. I hope he gassed himself out, Joe, and I got to give him some credit. He had a lot of ways out of that fight. He had a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to roll over and die in that fight, and he didn't do it. Whew, I got a lot of questions about this, Joe. Do you think he learned a lesson? Two lessons. Make weight. Th- yes, that too. Make weight. And the second thing is, so I saw a lot of criticism for what he was doing in the octagon afterwards, uh, or even during. But I said to myself, all you critics out there, can shut up because if he lands anything that finishes the fight, you're going to herald him as one of the greatest uh, in this division. Like, give him a title shot because look at what he does. He's a fantastic fighter. He took risks. Unfortunately, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and I'm nowhere near this dude's shape, uh, I start trying to do that kind of stuff there. I'm gassing myself out real quick. Uh, and for a guy that cut, you know, couldn't make the weight, and Tristan Connolly fought an amazing fight and keeping that pressure – keeping that pressure, making him gas out. So it's a lesson learned that you can try and do that stuff, risk versus reward, of course, but you better still have gas in that tank when it's all said and done. Tristan Connolly, okay, so this time last week, I didn't think he had a chance, really didn't. When Pereira missed weight, I thought he did have a little bit of a chance, but I still thought Pereira was going to win. I got to say this, uh, good for Tristan Connolly for several things. He got his... 12 and 12, presumably, to fight and win, right? 24,000. He gets 20% of Pereira's purse. Then he gets $100,000 because he got both sides of that bonus money. I thought for sure the UFC would only give him half. So we're talking right here. My God, Joe. Assuming Pereira makes only 12 and 12 as well. 124K. Uh, yeah, 124k at least. Then the 20% of Pereira, which is an extra probably 3,000 maybe plus whatever Reebok gives him, he might be looking at close to 130,000 before taxes. That is life-changing money. If Joe, if I got handed a check for $130,000 right now, I would respectfully end this podcast and go house <laughs> shopping and buy a house. That, so look that's, at it. Look, that's yeah, what that might mean way. for him. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, look at it this way. If on Saturday somebody tells any one of the listeners or those that are tuned in right now live that on Saturday you're going to get a check for $130,000 American. Like how sweet would that be? Oh, my God, he's he's Canadian too. That's like like $7 million there. (laughs) You know what? I'll tell you right now what he got. Oh, I I know the conversion rate's like – 75 cents American to one Canadian dollar. Uh, I'm very aware of the exchange rate. I just exchanged some American money. He just got $165,000 Canadian. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Uh, you. I know what I would do with that money. Woo. First house I see down the road that's, that can be sold that's worth a rental. See ya. I'm, in, I'm putting a down payment on that, and I'm keeping that sucker as a rental. And get that money coming in every single month, John. Good, good for this guy, man. He has like thousand followers on Twitter. He's fighting his ass off. The guys and his gym. His gym is hopefully going to be getting a massive influx of new members. Hopefully, I mean, think about that. In Vancouver, in Vancouver. Not only that, not only in Vancouver, on the main card, Joe. Good for him. Good, Good for him. Great for Tristan Conley. Brother, I'm sorry I doubted you. He is 33 years old. He'll be 34 this month. Let's be honest. 34-year-old welterweights getting into the game in the UFC don't tend to last that long. All the respect in the world for Tristan Conley. Make your money. You know what? I hope he steps in. I hope his next opponent misses weight, and I hope he beats them, and I hope he gets a fight of the night then too. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't he fight at 155? Was I thought that was at 170. No, he that was at 170. But doesn't he compete at 155 in general? I think he moved up a weight class for this one. I could oh, be wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the RFC lightweight champion. Yeah. So <laughs> imagine so, this guy with a full training camp. Let's see it. Yeah, he's a 155er who fought a guy who should be at 185 and beat him. Yeah. Good there for go. him. Uh, elsewhere on the show, Todd Duffy, the worst luck in UFC history. And, of course, you're always going to have those dumbasses that are like, he was looking for a way out. He was looking for a way out. I don't think he was looking for a way out. I think he was looking for anything because he couldn't see. Um, I don't think after this long that Todd Duffy is looking for a way out. But he needs to look around and read a little bit more because one of his complaints was, MMA media doesn't put enough of a spotlight on fighter pay. And I'm like, have you read, like, Bloody Elbow lately? They are covering... UFC fighter pay as 
as per a lawsuit. It's been talked about over and over again. Go go through and watch any episode of Ariel Hawani and Luke Thomas on the MMA beat. Any episode where we literally have a segment called How Much They Make for the Love of God. <laughs> that was weird, but Todd Duffy is still winless in the UFC in like the last 732 years, and that's unfortunate for him. Did you feel in looking at that fight he wanted out? I didn't. Uh, no? Because he could have just, he could have let himself get tapped out, I guess. I'll tell you what, if he did want out and he denied his opponent his win bonus, that's dick. That's shit. Do the honors, so to speak. At least make sure somebody gets their win bonus. Preferably you. Hey, you're a heavyweight. Throw that big thing attached to your arm at somebody's head and there's a good chance you might knock him out no matter how tired you are. I don't think he wanted his way out. I kind of felt like, hmm, gassing? Are you sure. gassing right now? All right? Uh, but he's had some bad luck. I mean, I, I can attest that this guy's a really good guy. Uh, I'm only just saying that because I'm looking at like, are you tired, dude? If you're tired, I can understand you want out. But um, if you're seeing double, yeah, it, it's it's not good. Uh, but hey, man, it'd be nice to see these two guys go at it again. But it sucked the way it ended. Uh, what's that, the second week in a row or third week in a row? And iPoke has caused the MMA fight to stop with the Ryan Bader and Chet Gongle thing. So, yeah. So... In that fight, or for Duffy, it's like, I think that if he wanted out, he could have just waited the extra minute and said that he tore his knee up or something on the stool. I mean, that's... Yep. He could have done that. So I don't think that he did. <sighs> I hate to say, I told you guys so. Glover Teixeira defeated Nikita Krylov via split decision. That first round submission also almost came, Joe. Yep. But Krylov didn't just roll over and die. Krylov did compete with Glover Teixeira, and this was a closer fight than I was willing to give give credit for. But I, I just didn't see a way that Krylov was going to win this fight, but he almost did. It was very close. He did very well. What did you think of Krylov's performance and Glover Teixeira remaining relevant in this division? Uh, I don't I, I think I, I'm going to give a lot more credit than I should uh, to Nikita Krylov That's because fair. we keep yeah we keep ripping on this guy, but... You know, I, I think surviving with a guy like Glover to share, despite Glover being a little bit older right now, um, is it, good. It's very good. Uh, but Glover, again, continues to prove that he can go with these young bucks, right? So uh, I think he did do enough uh, to earn a, uh, a a decision. Not a split, but he earned the decision. Glover did. Um, but yeah, yeah, Nikita showed a bit of improvement. I'm liking it. Uh, but don't mess with the old guy, man. Dad strength. Dad bod. Well, not dad bod, but, you know, man strength this guy has. So good on him. Yeah, I'm glad that Teixeira is hanging around. I mean, Krylov is Krylov. He's going to be there. He's going to have his sarcastic fans that don't really like him, but but pretend that they like him and, and all that stuff because he's so bad that he's good type of thing. And somehow wins fights. Like, I, I don't, know, don't know how it happens. But let's be real. He's 27 years old. Plenty of time for him to to uh, return and, and do well and, and all that stuff. But he's lost two of three since coming back to the UFC. As it turns out, Emmanuel Newton and Fabio Maldonado aren't exactly as good as one might have thought. But Teixeira has won four or five now. And he's beaten Ian Kutilaba, who I think is very good. He beat Carl Roberson. He beat Misha Serkinov. He's won three out of four. And this is 
his uh, well uh, one of his best runs since he got to the title because you could say that after he lost to Phil Davis he came back and he beat uh, OSP Cummins Rashad Evans and Jared Cannonier that was a very good run I'm not ready to say this one's better than that but considering the fact that he's four years older now maybe maybe it's more impressive uh, glad to see him still at the top of the division or, or at least near the top no, Justin, just so I just go ahead the you mentioned um, Maldonado. Uh, can you believe I'll be calling a Maldonado fight? He's fighting in Ryzen. Oh my gosh, you're right. He's fighting Yuri uh, Prohaska for the light heavyweight title. That so is that'll amazing. Be that'll be fun. Sorry, go ahead. Main event, Justin Gaethje beat up Donald Cerrone. Jeremy Lambert was talking to me about this. He said, man, Cerrone's been too hittable. And I, I had Cerrone picked, and then you talked me out of it by the end of our preview last week. I thought that was uh, very well done. And you were right, Justin Gaethje. Just clocked Cerrone. Cerrone went face down, ass up. Gaethje is asking the ref to stop it. Now, here's the thing. I get it that they're buddies, but you got to fight until the ref calls it, Joe. 100%. You got to keep going. I think he's just more upset that uh, he wanted to fight. They're friends, right? They're, they're, sure. or not, they're not, Maybe they're not buddies, but uh, they're at least associ- or, uh, associates, acquaintances, whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, uh, I, I can understand what Justin was saying, but the referee's got to do what the referee's got to do. You know, if he doesn't sense that that fight is over just yet, uh, you know, people criticize referees so much. I'm like, go try and do it. Like, shut up. Go try and do it. See how hard it is. You know, it's it's still Cowboy. You still want to give Cowboy the benefit of the doubt because of what he can do to turn around a fight. Uh, but at the same time, you've seen him take his knocks. You've seen him get dropped. You know, the Darren Tills fight comes to mind. You, you just never know. And it's almost like Cowboy's been running on fumes lately, and they've been crazy. You know, he's been, ta- he's been taking... Uh, a fair amount of abuse lately, but uh, good on Gaethje. Gaethje continues to do what he needs to do to to rise up this division. Excuse me. I mean, you take a look at at who he's lost to. I mean, Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. You know, and, and to to discuss what's next for Justin Gaethje is tough. What do you do with this guy? Because he's not getting a title shot. Um, you know, he, he he's Ferguson. Uh, unless something crazy happens with Ferguson and Habib. Uh, Justin Gaethje is sort of in no man's land. He's potentially going to have to do uh, a rematch to determine, you know, he, he might have to fight Poirier, right? It, it's tough to say what's next for him. Uh, there are some options out there, but, I mean, y- y- Felder, Iaquinta, he's got to go down to keep his spot, right? And I, I think he's deserved, I think he's earned a title shot, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I do think he's got to wait out Ferguson and Habib. That's the thing. It's there's no fight but Ferguson and Habib. I don't buy that he doesn't want to fight Conor McGregor because Joe he wanted to like three months ago. The fight was set behind closed doors, and the only reason it didn't happen was because Conor got hurt. And it, the thing is, if Conor had had the fight announced, then got hurt, I think the fight still would have happened because it's Conor McGregor. Yeah. But um, I don't buy it. I think that he, he would and should fight Conor McGregor because why not? Well, reverse psychology, right? Yeah. What did he say? The Irishman's retired. Not interested. And, and right? what, what is Conor McGregor saying right now without saying anything else? He tweeted, um, Dublin, Ireland, December 14th. I don't doubt at all that that's Justin Gaethje. Right? <laughs> uh, so, that, that, listen. You give me Gaethje uh, and McGregor, I think it's an unbelievable fight for so many reasons, so many questions, so many answers are going to come from that fight. Like if Gaethje annihilates Conor McGregor, 
what do we want to do with Conor McGregor from here? Yeah. If Conor McGregor comes in and hasn't, who hasn't won a fight in three years, only fought once in three years, comes in and destroys Justin Gaethje, like this, the, the, the MMA world will be you know, back on fire again. Right, so this is a fight that would be absolutely fantastic, but I'm not holding my breath, Sean. I'm not holding my breath for this fight. Yeah, uh, Gaethje is, I think, is prime for that spot. McGregor, I got to see McGregor training. I don't see anything. Here's the thing: it's of my opinion that if Conor McGregor were training, there'd be pictures everywhere. <laughs> He'd yeah. be posting them and. Uh, SBG would be posting them and all this stuff, and that's not what I see often. I don't see footage and all that stuff. I, I see like some random stuff of him outdoors at his house. I don't see anything of him in the gym. I don't see any of him training with actual people. And I'm scrolling through. I'm scrolling through right now. I can't. I can't find. The last time there was any indication that he has been in a gym. It looks like um, June. June 1, with his hand wrapped up big, obviously had heard it ahead of the Gaethje fight. Yikes, man. <sighs> UFC Mexico City, Bellator 227. Let's go ahead and talk about Bellator very quickly. Uh, ben Henderson headlines against Miles Jury. Ben Henderson at minus 280. Miles Jury at plus 200. I think that's a fine line. We also have Bellator Dublin, which is the same damn show. I don't know why they split them up. I don't get it. Michael Page on the card against uh, uh, nobody that has a Wikipedia page. Yeah. James Gallagher against Cal Eleanor. A couple people that this company wants to get wins. And a show that, uh, oh yeah, Brandon Gertz against John Tuck. And honestly, probably <laughs> the second highest level competitive fight. And it's a guy who's 16 and 8 against a guy that's 10 and 5. This card is whack, Joe. Why is this card being put on? I don't understand half of this stuff. I get it uh, because of the relationship they have over there. But I <laughs> When a host of a podcast, a month or a hundred bucks a year for DAZN for, yeah, I mean, it's when when a podcast host says, "Dude doesn't even have a Wikipedia page." People need to look further into that and understand certain fights shouldn't be happening, certain events shouldn't be happening. I I get it. There needs to be a change. Page to win so bad. Of course, of course, but. Go up and down this card, for example, on Wikipedia, and there's only one, two, three, four, five guys with Wikipedia yeah. pages, and there's 30 fight or thirty fighters, I think, more. I'll tell you what I want to know. Why is it that this Bellator show has one – okay, sorry, there are three fights with lines. Michael Page, a minus 530 against Richard Kiley, a plus 350. Cal Eleanor, a plus 305. James Gallagher, a plus, or minus 425 because they split up – the betting odds because Bellator split up that is so dumb. But Combate has twelve fights with betting lines across all sports books. That's weird to me. Like, is Combate saying like, "Hey, let's start some betting lines here. Let's get this going." I mean, they they. I'll tell you what's funny. They aggressively send me PR stuff, and their PR lady his name is Dina White. So I see that, and I'm like, "Who? Who is? Oh, okay." 
But Dana White yeah. is promoting a show from Mexico City this weekend, and it's got some interesting names. Let's get into it. Claudio Pulas is a minus 255. Marcos Mariano, a plus 215. Paul Craig, a plus 100 against Vinicius Morea, a minus 120. I think that fight actually might be pretty good. You have Ariana Carnelosi, a plus 120. Angela Hill getting another crack at it at a minus 140. I like that. You have Tyson Nam, a plus 260 against the minus 320 Sergio Pettis. Some fights early on here. Uh, Pettis and Angela Hill, some names that stick out. Vinicius Morea, another one. I think that fight will be good, but I have Pettis winning here. I have Angela Hill winning here. I have Morea winning here. And I have uh, Claudio Pules winning here. What do you think before we get into some some other fights that nobody knows about? <laughs> well, the Craig Mojea fight's going to be actually pretty good. Uh, don't don't count out Tyson Nam just yet, but Sergio Pettis is going to have to bite down on that mouthpiece and pull off his technical skill and and really, in my opinion, get a finish in this fight to just start continuing, um, just to get some more buzz around sure. him, if you know what I'm saying, right? Because he can't go to the decision uh, against Tyson Nam, and it's not going to be easy to finish Tyson, but uh, we'll see what happens. As I've always said, huge fan of Angela Hill. Just doesn't sit down on her punches. Maybe it's the body type uh, that she has. She can't generate that power. I'm sure. She, I mean, I wouldn't want to get punched in the face by her. Yeah. But when you look at the way she competes against her opposition, she can't seem to get that knockout. So I, I'm, I'm not really paying. Uh, I wouldn't put five on that fight. Maybe I should uh, on Ariana because Angela can't seem to generate that power. So uh, Colonel Losey might be able to pull this off. But again, uh, it remains to be seen. I'll tell you who I got five on. The minus 255, Sajara <laughs> Eubanks, taking on Betts Kohea, a plus 215. If Sajara Eubanks doesn't win this fight, I don't know if she belongs in the UFC at all. Um, I have her winning this in a wash, Joe. There are division gatekeepers, then there are UFC career gatekeepers. She has to be able to beat Betch Correa. I think she will, but I don't think you can. I, I'd always like to know. Betch Correa like, is the broken latch on the gate that everybody just looks at and laughs. They're like, this, this ain't keeping the dog out of the yard. Come yeah, on now. I, I, I've always wanted to know what the UFC matchmakers actually think of her. Uh, she but, beat some horsewomen. That's what it was. She beat some of Ronda yeah, Rousey's friends, yeah. and she got a title shot. That's what happened. Yeah. So uh, I got Eubanks all day in this fight here, but – you damn right I'm going to watch this fight because just anything related to Betch Correa is awesome. I'm sorry. I, I just get God such a damn. kick out of it. <laughs> Kyle Nelson, a minus 125. Marco Polo Reyes, a plus 105. Not a great line there, but I actually have Reyes winning that fight. You have Carlos Joaquin, a plus 130. Jose Quinones, a minus 150. It would not surprise me to see Carlos win that fight either. Then Martin Bravo, a minus 110. Steven Peterson, a minus 110. That is a pick and that is a good fight. That will that should be a very fun fight. On the main card, you are, I think it's a main card. You have Askar Askarov, a minus 170 against the plus 150 Brandon Moreno. I think you always give Brandon Moreno a little bit of shot, but is that line wide enough? I don't know. But on this show, perhaps so, because there's not a lot of wide betting underdogs here, Joe. Anything out of those? And then Irene Aldana, a minus 470. Vanessa Mello, a plus 375. It might be worth it just to take a flyer on that, but I don't know considering it's Aldana. Yeah, I, I would – well, when it comes to putting five on it, Brandon Moreno is, I think, a live dog. 
uh, especially considering, you know, it, it, a lot of people have slept on him because of his recent skid. Uh, you know, Askarov's fantastic, but, you know, Moreno's probably going to be rejuvenated competing in Mexico City, right? Uh, other than that, I think uh, Quinones does emerge victorious. I wouldn't put five on Huachin, although you do believe he might be able to pull it off. Again, it's one of those situations where that Latino blood might be on fire in Mexico City, so both oh, of those God. guys... Uh, might be uh, you know might might be looking at doing something crazy, and the Bravo Peterson fight I think is good at, at a pick 'em, right? Uh, that's one of those fights where it's like it's it's people aren't paying attention. It's relevant to the division, maybe not for a while, but it's a solid fight for sure. Carlos Esparza recently uh, came off of a losing streak against two top people in Suarez and Gedalia. Uh She has won another fight, and she is facing the inconsistent Alexa Grasso, who hasn't exactly taken off the way that UFC wanted, but she took over a year off, came back, and beat the crap out of Carolina Kovalkovich and looked great. Looked like she was realizing her potential there. Uh, the betting odds have Grosso at a minus 120, Esparza at a plus 100. I think Esparza's winning this, and I think she'll do it. I don't want to say one-sided, fairly one-sided. Esparza has shown that she, I mean, she knocked off Marina Moroz and Cynthia Calvello, Cavello, and uh, UFC thought they were going to be something. I don't think like Esparza's done or anything. She's done at the championship levels, I believe. And Grosso, Grosso's kind of just getting started. And based on what we saw at a, the Kavalkovich fight, I think she's finally realizing that potential, and I have her winning here. Minus the main event. Um, let me just go up and down this card one more time. <laughs> I think this will be fight of the night. I think Grasso Spars is going to be fight of the night. I think uh, you know people are, are, are sleeping on what these two ladies have done more in the past than consistently uh, recently. Uh, and I bet you this is going to be a firecracker of a fight. Yeah, I, I dig the fight. I don't think it should be second from the top. I get it. They're in Mexico City. You got to have something else, though. Oh, this card. I, Stevens versus Yair Rodriguez. Let's go ahead and... Get into that one as Stevens is a minus 115, Yair a minus 105. This will be a good fight. I mean, it's the Yair Rodriguez fight. But also in that, it is very hard to predict because it is a Yair Rodriguez fight. And <laughs> my wife goes, who's fighting this weekend? And here's the thing. She hasn't asked, is there a show this weekend? She says, who's fighting this weekend? And I said, Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens. And she goes, who is that? And I was like, well, funny you mentioned that because that's how one of them is most famous, is someone being asked who they are. Stevens has lost two fights in a row, Joe. Mm -hmm. He's never been a champion. He's never competed for a title. When you lose two fights in a row, I really don't think, unless you're Conor freaking McGregor or you're John Jones or you're GSP or you're Daniel Cormier, you shouldn't be headlining a show. Second from the top. Nothing wrong with that. Yair Rodriguez, at the very least, has shown that the only people that beat him are people like Frankie Edgar. He gets in trouble. He gets in trouble. But my God, he can overcome almost anything. He's won, I think, seven of eight fights in the UFC. I don't see Jeremy Stevens taking this, but I do see Jeremy Stevens having that veteran advantage of being able to capitalize on when Yair Rodriguez does flippy shit, some Michael Perea, Michelle Perea shit. That's a tag team. Perea and Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yeah, how do you see this one going? Uh, tough to say because, you know, you're, there's always a fight 
from the opening bell to the final second yes. when Yair Rodriguez is fighting. Just look at what he did to the Korean zombie uh, with that one-second final reverse elbow uh, that he landed to finish him off. So that fight, he's always live. He's always live. Jeremy Stevens has a way of punishing anybody and everybody uh, with the exception of, you know, if you can go up and down his, his resume. I mean, he lost his Zabit recently and Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo was very motivated in that fight. and Zabit just got that kind of skill. So, um, well, you know, Stevens has been around. He'll know what to do when he competes, uh, you know, in quote-unquote hostile territory. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a blue-collar fight. But I do think Yara Rodriguez's speed, length, power, and precision will get just a bit too much uh, out of Jeremy Stevens, and I think this one ends somewhere in the third or fourth round. Now, we had somebody asking why we previewed uh, Bellator 227 this weekend. Uh, next week, we're going to have a lot to talk about. The MMA show is going on a bit of a hiatus for a little while. We'll explain that, talk about some memories next week, and we'll preview the much better-looking Bellator 228 from Inglewood that is actually a good card We'll talk about UFC Fight Night Copenhagen, and we'll also talk about the upcoming, I think it's a UFC 243 show. So we have a loaded show uh, next week. We will be going on hiatus after that, but we'll still have post shows. We'll still have some uh, videos here and there, some interviews, things of that nature. But Joe, what do you got going on this week? Same old, same old, Sean. Same old, same old. Thursday's game for the undefeated season. Big game for my boys. We go undefeated hey, if we emerge victorious. Are so. you going to pull a Kobe? Did you see what Kobe Bryant did? No. He coaches a girls' middle school team, and he was like, well, here's your fourth-place team, and posted a picture on Instagram. And he, A few days before, they had won by like 100 points. He was like, one girl on the team decided she wanted to go to a dance recital instead of this game. And I'm like, damn! Uh, I have, uh, <laughs> I've got some problems with uh, a few of... My parents, let's just say that. Uh, their boys are on the cusp. It's tough as a as a, a, a rep soccer coach to have to cut players because of the parents. Yeah. But I'm I'm trying I'm leaning towards the, the keeping the kids and some way somehow keeping the parents at bay. But if you're not showing up to big games because you would rather go uh, you know, to to an amusement park when we're playing a huge game and our undefeated season's on the line. I, you can't be trusted, right? So, and there's other things that went down. But other than that, I see what Kobe's saying, what Kobe's doing. But no, if if we emerge victorious, no, even if we lose or we tie, uh, I am going to post something uh, on my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook uh, about this team because as a coach, I know uh, I'm never going to be able uh, to say that I've gone undefeated uh, in a season yeah. again, right? Even though they're they're only you know eight, nine, and ten, this is a huge, huge thing, and we we've. Ruffled a lot it's, of feathers, Sean. It's everybody's collective yep. work. Yep, we've ruffled a lot of feathers. My coaching staff and my boys and I. So uh, we're we're there's a bullseye on our back for Uh-oh. the winter indoor season as well as the outdoor season next year. So we're excited. Well, guys, thank you all so much. Leave a thumbs up. Make sure you guys subscribe. Also, scoot over to youtubecom boxing. You can see clips of the show. You can see our post show reviews up there. We have individual fight reviews. A little bit of all that. And hey, if you're around for any if you're around watching UFC and you want somebody to chat about with it, we have a great community over at FightfulMMA.com. Hundreds, if not thousands, of comments. Make sure you guys follow Joe at Joe A. Ferraro. Follow me at Sean Ross App. Till next time, we're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.